Thank you for listening to Noobs and Dragons. If you'd like to listen to more of LPJ and Sphinx, make sure to check out Last Action Podcast, where they discuss action movies. If you're looking for more Matric, check out twitch.tv slash matriconstage. That's M-A-T-R-I-K. You can also check out his work on YouTube, and that's Matric on Stage there as well. For more of myself... Craig WK, you can listen to podcasts like The Legend of Retro and Noiseland Arcade. If you're interested in supporting Noobs and Dragons, you can go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, where you can pay $5 a month for access to Behind the DM Screen, our behind-the-scenes monthly special. This show wouldn't be possible without our patron support. Thank you. Welcome to the recap to the intermission of Noobs and Dragons uh, Season 2. Now, much like in Season 1, at the end of the season, uh, there's a recap. And we're definitely going to do one for Season 2 as well, uh, Season 2 proper, where we'll kind of dive into and give a, a general outline uh, for how season two went and, you know, just a, a quick little synopsis, uh, you know, especially for like people coming into the next season who maybe don't have the time to devote to an entire season of a podcast, let alone when the seasons are as long as they are and, uh, noobs and dragons. Uh, so today, uh, it's just me, your dungeon master, Craig WK, uh, and we're going to talk about every episode of the intermission. So rather than having a super huge season two recap where we go through the first part of season two, the intermission, and then the rest of it, uh, instead we'll we'll just sort of make this its own thing and kind of tie the ribbon on it. Despite the fact that a lot of the intermission involved season one and uh, season two, and will not really be fully resolved until season two, uh, maybe season three. Uh, you know, that's uh, you know just the way it goes. I uh, so uh, if you don't mind, it's going to be me on my own, basically babbling about uh, you know the episodes we had. Now, uh, for those who who maybe don't know, maybe you don't have uh, access to our Patreon where we go behind the scenes and stuff with our monthly show behind the DM screen uh, for just $5 a month. Uh, But if you don't have that, you might not be aware that the intermission originally started, you know, was supposed to be 10-ish episodes, maybe a few more, maybe a few less, because uh, at that time we were naive and thought, oh, well, you know, we can't get to the studio these days because of, uh, you know, the pandemic, but... Yeah, this will go away, like, in a month or so, right? And, uh, that was wishful thinking. Uh, wear, wear your masks when you go out, everybody. It sure would be nice to have regular life back and you know, less death. But, uh, as far as that goes, let's go ahead and dive on in to our uh, intermission. Uh, this recap will likely be shorter than season one's recap because there's quite a few more episodes. It was a really long season. Uh, so uh, we'll just take our time here and go through. Uh, with the first first three episodes of the intermission, uh, I cheated. I, I Instead of just getting right into the show, I actually used character creation for those three episodes, uh, hopefully, uh, for for those who like Noobs and Dragons and maybe even just D&D podcasts in general, storytelling podcasts, but maybe don't know a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, hopefully that was a bit of help, you know, maybe got you a little intrigued for playing the game yourself. Because, you know, that's one of the sort of the missions in Noobs and Dragons is I'm going to get, you know, friends and... Uh, you know, 
other hosts that are part of our network, uh, streamers that are a part of our network, you know, things like that. I'm going to reach out to those people and hopefully let them learn Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. And hopefully that has made everyone else intrigued because, uh, you know, it's been exciting listening to fans go from having no idea really what D&D was all about, but getting sucked into the show anyway and, and you know, getting interested in it. Uh, you know, I've had quite a few of our fans, uh, notably the Flack Attack, uh, let me know that that was uh, something that happened. So, you know, it's always nice to hear. And, you know, when it comes to talking about D&D and questions about rules and stuff, uh, you know, definitely jump into our Discord. If you go to gamezillamedia.com, You'll be able to get access to our Discord through a link there. And, uh, yeah, we can talk about the show, talk about D&D in general. We have a spoilers channel, so, you know, if you're all caught up on the show, uh, you know, you can jump in there and chat about the most recent episodes. Uh, And there's even a behind-the-DM-screen channel for uh, the Discord as well. So if you're a Patreon member, you get that perk as well. But, okay, so... The first episode was uh, me sitting down with Matrick on stage. I'm sure you know by now Matrick on stage is, uh, uh, you know, has a YouTube channel, uh, occasionally does Twitch streams, and uh, Matrick wanted to make a character who was kind of tied into Season 2. So in Season 2, his character Alice, uh, Alice Rose... Uh, who, you know, is sort of covering their last name up, uh, uh, is sort of on the run from their past. I won't go too in-depth in case you haven't really delved into uh, Season 2 proper. Uh, but yeah, so, so you know, Ophelia, Ophelia Elsamila, uh, a uh, high elf and the sister of Alice... Uh, decided that she would wanted to track down her sibling, and so the that idea sort of popped in my head as like, oh, well, this is a real easy way to link this into you know season two because this is happening simultaneously, uh, and because the adventure is taking them towards Rayburn Falls, they'll you know she'll be able to to learn little bits and pieces about you know. Uh, her sister, or things just going on in the city that might involve her sister. And so, yeah, uh, Patrick made a cleric. Uh, a cleric, uh, oh, what domain is that? I think it is the light domain, uh, which gives access to a lot more uh, kind of wizard-like spells. Uh, you, you tend to be more of a caster when you take the light domain. Uh, more of a glass cannon, so to speak, where you can hide in the back and launch spells. Though, honestly, uh, clerics, you know, by their nature can wear pretty decent armor. Uh, I think the light domain only gives you up to medium armor, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Going off memory for a lot of the class stuff here. But, uh, yeah, so so Ophelia, the character that Matrick made, is a little on the naive side. She's a little bit, you know open. She's kind of chatty. Uh, uh, she's more than willing to, to talk and, and express herself, uh, which is quite a departure from uh, a character like Alice, who's more reserved, more, you know, trying to hide her story, her backstory, not letting, you know, anyone kind of into her heart because of, you know, things that have happened to her. Uh, so that was episode one. Episode two was character creation with uh, LPJ, and LPJ threw me for a loop because he had no backstory whatsoever. LPJ created Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul, uh, who is a play on, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, be, who is a Belgian uh, action movie star. Uh, I, if LPJ was here, he'd be able to tell me when the last time Jean-Claude Van Damme was uh, doing movies. Uh, but the last ones I can think of were like in the 90s and maybe early 2000s. Uh, but I, uh, I, I'm very sure that started because uh, I'm not a huge fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And so when LPJ would talk about him in our Discord, uh, I would 
you know, say things like, ugh, gross. Uh, typically, be mostly, I should say, uh, because it boils down to the fact that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, with his thick Belgian accent, uh, was the all-American poster boy Guile in the Street Fighter movie, which is a horrible movie. It's, it's god-awful. Uh, it's, so it's, I just, I like to make fun of him because of that fact, uh, that, you know, while, while the people creating the Street Fighter movie were like, we need an American to play Guile, and one of them was like, what about that Jean-Claude Van Damme guy? And they were like, good enough, let's roll with it. Uh, yeah, it's just poor casting. Uh, well, I guess if Jean-Claude Van Damme had acting ability, it wouldn't be poor casting. But he doesn't have the ability to act to save his life. Uh, he can kick people really hard. And so that's what LBJ has done. He he made uh, uh, Jean, uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul, who is a uh, kind of gladiator monk, who, you know, I mean, when you th- at a quick glance at monk, that kind of stands to reason, right? You know, a, a, a gladiator. All right, yeah, they, they fight, you know, they, they punch things, sure. Uh, but the way of the monk is kind of more of an introspective uh, uh, method. And so immediately, LPJ made a monk that was kind of on the, I wouldn't say entirely eccentric side, because I think a lot of players look at monk and think, yeah, I just want to punch stuff. And that's fine. You know, you, you don't have to have anything more than that. LPJ certainly didn't, uh, but I, uh, but when I think of monks, I, I, you know, I tend to think more of the kind of monastic side. Monastic is that a word? I'm, you know, is that a word? Anyway, uh, but you know, the more monastery way of thinking of monks, rather than like a Dragon Ball character, you know, it's somebody who's kind of quietly introspective. I. Uh, so, so those two characters are immediately kind of, you know, like kind of polar opposites uh, from each other. And then we have Sphinx, who created Lysander Rockjaw. Uh, and that's kind of a in-the-middle character. So, so Lysander was a former uh, uh, town guard turned Chimerazon Raider... Which, if you're familiar with season two, you know, Lysander was a part of, uh, you know, Flacky Marazon's Raiders. Uh, he had a falling out with uh, Flacky Marazon, and so he left uh, the city. Uh, you know, his dad was like a member of the, the you know, town, uh, town guard and stuff. So, you know, he, he kind of had this like awkward falling out uh, amongst his family and, and, you know, allies and left. And so. Uh, Sphinx's character Lysander is sort of in between where he he does have a backstory that ties in, uh, but even Ophelia isn't a super serious character because, you know, she's so lighthearted. And Lysander is is fairly similar to Thelonious, his season two character, in the fact that he's a little bit more brash, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, kind of gregarious. Uh, but the thing is, is Lysander can physically back up anything, any of his smack-talking. You know, Thelonious, if he wants a smack-talk, he has to drop down, like, lightning bolts and stuff, and, and you know, it kind of goes from 0 to 100 real fast. But Lysander can take a punch, he, you know, he's a fighter, so, uh, you know, he's, he's a little tougher. And he even took the samurai background, which, uh, I, you know, I think that with samurai... It's easy to to want to, you know, make them, like, an honest-to-goodness samurai, like, you know, as if they're from you know, Japan, feudal Japan or whatever. But I don't think you need to. I don't think you need samurai armor to be the samurai that the, the you know, the, uh, the subclass, you know, sort of proposes. It's more about, you know, honor and, you know... Sort of taking the Bushido, but not really dealing with, like, the feudal Japan side of things. Uh, you know, so so those are the, the three characters. Those are the characters that have uh, been made for 
you know, this adventure. And it begins with, uh, let's see, it's episode 128, uh, but the fourth episode of the intermission, a delivery job. Uh, new adventure begins, which is, well, oh, that's just me. <laughs> I was going to read each of the uh, uh, descriptions of the episodes, but uh, that one's just me talking about how uh, the quality is going to be low for a while during quarantine. Hopefully that changes. <clears throat> anyway, I... Uh, so a delivery job uh, is sort of just laying the groundwork and gives the group their MacGuffin, so to speak. Uh, the group gets hired. They've, you know, been traveling together for some time. They already know each other. I decided to kind of cut out any awkward, like, hi, my name is Lysander. What's your name? Type stuff, you know, that that just sort of, you know, can get a little awkward. Uh, but uh, uh, it begins with uh, Vix Warpwood. Uh, a, I believe, half-elf, if I'm remembering right, who is a former adventurer. He's quite powerful. Uh, He has a special ability that allows him to teleport anywhere in the world, whether he's been there or not. Uh, But the odd thing is that he's recently been given a job. Uh, He didn't really go into a lot of details. His, his, you know, patron was, was a little on the mysterious side. Uh, but they paid in ancient Drow Kingdom gold, this golden dagger with gems with like a spider motif, uh, you know, dark elf treasure. Uh, they paid in that to have a case delivered, uh, this black box uh, that's, you know, a uh, few feet wide, few feet deep, or maybe a foot deep or so, foot and a half deep, uh, you know, and... Essentially, when Vix Warpwood took this to Juliana Blightcaller, from season two, the package didn't deliver with her, with him, to her. It's magically bound in some way that magic can't affect it, and so he can't teleport it. And then when he went to Juliana Blightcaller and was like, hey, listen, sorry about this. This is awkward, but, you know, you're going to have to wait a while on this package. She was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And so Vix Warpwood is kind of at a loss and kind of wanted to wipe his hands clean of the whole situation. And so he hired their group and basically was giving them all of the gold that was going to be given. And any gold upon completion of the delivery was going to be theirs. But he said that it was weird. You know, he didn't really know what was going on with it. Uh, so, uh, JCPP, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul, JCPP to his friends, uh, Ophelia and Lysander decide, yeah, what the heck, we're gonna take this job. It's a lot of money. They're, they're gonna get tons and tons of gold for this. They've already been given a lot of gold from this one treasure off the bat, like, you know, why, why not get some more? So, I. Uh, as the, the team is walking around uh, Blood Gulch, this uh, kind of orc town uh, filled with half-orcs, orcs, humans, you know, kind of this uh, 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 kind of canyon uh, in this, like, arid climate. Uh, as the team is kind of walking around, they're hearing, hearing that uh, uh, an ogre and an imp have been kind of walking around asking for, you know, this case uh, apparently Vix Warpwood has you know told them you know oh, I don't know what you're talking about or whatever uh, even and you know warn them hey uh, you know be careful so all right whatever ogre and an imp that's you know nothing nothing too you know nothing too huge of a deal so by episode 129 intermission episode 5 showdown at blood gulch uh, as the team is kind of preparing uh, to to leave, they find out that a ghostly ogre uh, uh, named Gorbo Borgo and uh, Belgaroth, this little imp, are tracking down this case. And so they get involved with a uh, uh, an orc by the name of Lachrim Void Thresher, who seems really intrigued about their case and was likely going to ask them for it or offer to buy it off them when this ogre and imp kind of kick in the door. There's a, a, a bit of a scuffle. They, you know, they scatter. And so I, uh, the, the, as they're, they're, you know, kind of 
dealing with this commotion, uh, they near, <laughs> I think it's uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul, nearly loses his life to the uh, uh, spectral ogre, uh, whose one of his abilities is that he's too dumb to remember he's dead and so he can do physical harm to people. Uh, the They finally get a, uh, you know, a, I think it's a uh, donkey and, was it a donkey or was it a boar? No, I think it was a boar. Uh, that's right, because they named him Bacon. Uh, they they got a boar, they got a cart, and they got out of Dodge uh, just as they passed a strange cloak, uh, red-cloaked figure uh, who may or may not have been uh, Zalaman the Wretched from Season 1, who said that a terrible fate awaited them hanging on to that case. No matter. Episode 130, intermission episode 6, getting trolled. Uh, so they leave behind Lockroom Void Thresher, Gorbo Borgo, uh, Bailgaroth, Solomon the Wretched, uh, and they continue east. Uh, as they stop to set up camp, uh, they end up fighting a troll. Now, this is sort of just a little filler event, you know? This wasn't anything too crazy. Uh, it was sort of a reference to The Hobbit, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's a troll trying to eat the uh, the travelers. You know, he's got a cave. There's some. I think there's some treasure in the cave. Uh, but uh, uh, at night, uh, I believe it is Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul uh, starts to have kind of weird dreams. Maybe it was somebody else in the team at that time. Uh, now I don't remember, but... Uh, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, odd things are happening. Uh, but the oddest thing is the fact that uh, bands of orcs and half-orcs uh, are seemingly hunting them down. And so with uh, episode 131, intermission episode 7, Through the Woods, uh, there's a blockade set up uh, throughout the night. And Lockrim Void Thresher and his band of orcs and half-orcs uh, you know, sort of are getting closer and closer to them and, you know, kind of waylaying them. Uh, the group decided to sneak into the forest rather than deal with a giant force of orcs, which, you know, probably smart. Uh, they, they use up a fair amount of time, uh, but they're heading towards Flame Core Pass. Uh, it's a, uh, pass through the, the mountains, and uh, apparently the the elemental chaos, uh, that dimension, the, the sort of the boundaries of that dimension are really weak in this region. And in the elemental chaos, typically it should be fire, ice, water, acid, earth, lightning, the whole nine yards just always in flux. But for some reason, this particular region... Uh, is sort of always dealing with, like, the fiery side of the elemental chaos, or more strongly the, the fiery side. Which, uh, you know, you, you might have realized uh, from Rayburn Falls. Uh, you have, uh, uh, in the intermission, you find out about Squall Fire, Lava Cloud Village, you know. So there's a lot of fiery motif in, in this region. I. Uh, so the 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 group ends up getting caught by uh, uh, a band of some of these orcs. Uh, so in episode one thirty two, intermission episode eight, the episode swarm, as they're dealing with uh, some of these uh, orcs and half orcs that that you know sort of are you know working for Lacrim Void Thresher. Uh, they the group finds out that when they're dying, their enemies here, uh, this inky cloud of darkness is like escaping from the the wounds of these bodies, uh, and they realize that it's swarms of insects. It's as if the their the blood of these goons are are sort of being, you know, replaced with like you know, insects, spiders, and stuff, arachnids. Uh, I think it's mostly like centipedes and, and you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, apparently Lachrim Void Thresher has made a pact with a being known as Round Glausma. 
who is one of the Lords of Madness, thus revealing that Lachrim Voidthresher is uh, uh, a warlock of pretty great power. And when warlocks, who potentially are involved in the uh, Cult of the Dark Star, as we know from Season 1, the five strongest of their uh, members in a a given region, a continent typically, uh, they're known as the Five Supernovas. And so... Uh, Lachrim Voidthresher, the last member of the Voidthresher clan. Uh, his uh, brethren were all wiped out in season one. Uh, yeah, we, we have uh, uh, a new big bad for uh, uh, the world to deal with. Uh, so as the, the group is, is you know, escaping, running away from, you know, these orcs that are chasing them, I... Uh, Episode 133, intermission episode 9, preparing dinner. So, uh, the group gets invited into a cabin. Uh, They find a cabin in the woods, and a strange old woman known as Grandma Yelris, uh, who's an old, withered crone, uh, certainly not a hag, of course. Uh, So... As the they they you know get there, they're finding that the old woman's place is really creepy, uh, and uh, the old lady is really insisting on making food for them, uh, and it really seems like she wants to cook and eat them. Oh boy! Well, it turns out that. She- She's pretty much just misunderstood. And so while the group was debating on whether they should, like, try to slice their head off and run out the door, uh, they found that she was a magic user of some note. And uh, as they, you know, ate with her and humored her, uh, they found that she was a potential ally. And so with episode 134, intermission episode 10, Knock Knock, uh, we have Grandma Yelris, who has warned the group that the, the, the trip to Flame Core Pass could be dangerous because the, uh, the dimension, you know, bear, the, the walls of the dimensions, the, the, you know, the universe even, are so thin in that, uh, in Flame Core Pass that they might just get sucked into the elemental chaos and be stuck there. So she uh, decides she'll make them a totem which will get them through and, you know, uh, get them out of the elemental chaos. She makes it throughout the night. But unfortunately, while uh, the rest of the group is sleeping, uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul finds that Lacrim Void Thresher, uh, who, you know, has made this pact with this Lord of Madness, uh, is, you know, pretty much knocking on the door. Much like the title of the episode, him and a couple of his goons, uh, who he slays himself in order to cause swarms of those insects to come out, which is just real jerk move, uh, has them trapped. Uh, can they escape out a back door? Are they going to have to fight? What's their plan? They rely on Grandma Yalris, who reveals herself to be very inspired by Baba Yaga, if you're familiar with that old legend, and her cabin essentially has a giant, like, chicken leg coming out of the bottom of it. It rises up and runs the hell away. Thus escaping from Lachrim Void Thresher. So, with episode uh, 135, intermission episode 11... What could be worse than spiders? The group has said goodbye to Grandma Yalris, and uh, they head into Flame Core Pass. Now, Flame Core Pass is a pretty scary place because it's so influenced by the elemental chaos and particularly the elemental fire. Uh, there's a lot of giant cave spiders in there. And what could be worse than spiders? How about fire spiders? Uh, so the the group heads inside and starts battling with some of these spiders as they're trying to, you know, get through. Uh, with episode 136, intermission episode 12, just a quick visit, uh, the group finds themselves immediately 
transported into the uh, elemental chaos as they're taking a rest after fighting one of these giant spiders. Uh, so while they're there, they find that uh, uh, demons are, are, you know, not you know, not invading necessarily, but have sort of infiltrated the elemental chaos. And, you know, in this world, the elemental chaos is uh, sort of a mirror of the primary world. And where the Underdark would be in the regular world, the great, you know, giant labyrinth underworld of of the planet, uh, where that lies in the elemental chaos is the infinite layers of the abyss. So, demon kind and, uh, you know, the elemental chaos are sort of intrinsically bound together in this world of Mott. Similar to the uh, setting of 4th edition, if you're familiar with that. Uh, which is sort of when I crafted a lot of my world. But anyway, uh, while they're there, they find a demon who... Uh, is uh, one that uh, belongs to Azadon, demon prince of uh, cannibalism. Which should be a big deal because of the giant issue that, you know, season two is dealing with when it comes to Azadon, demon prince of cannibalism. Uh, so the group goes there, finds that, they they meet somebody dying of, like, poison, a... Uh, Oh, what are the elemental humanoids? Uh, which name just is not jumping into my mind? Hmm. Oh well. Uh, but they're dying anyway, and they die. Uh, and so they they learn little bits and pieces that you know, uh, cannibalistic demons is bad. So they head out through Flamecore Pass and uh, find themselves uh, trapped by an army of. Dragonborn. Oh boy. Episode 137, intermission episode 13, Bloodsport. Which is a play on a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, I do believe. Uh, not to pat myself on my back. Anyway, uh, so the group has been captured by an army of Dragonborn who belong to the Bloodbane family. The Bloodbane family those who don't know, uh, are, uh, like, dragon national socialists. They put dragons, dragonborn, kobolds, uh, all those races above everything else. Dragons, of course, ruling the roost. And so, uh, the, the group talks with the, the, you know, this captain, and, uh, I believe it is, uh, uh, during the interrogation, uh, Lysander rubs him the wrong way after a critical critical fail. And so uh, they find out that, you know, apparently there is a uh, dragonborn who recently escaped by the name of Thucydides. The family, he's another family member, a member of the Bloodbane family, but he was looking into things he shouldn't have, so he was kind of on, uh, uh, you know, uh, home confinement in this camp, so to speak. Uh, but he got out, strangely enough. Uh but anyway, uh, this captain challenges the group to three one-on-one uh, -on -one fights. And Lysander takes on the captain because he critically failed and loses. Uh, he did pretty well, but unfortunately just could not fight somebody that I had originally envisioned fighting the entire group at once. Uh, Ophelia defeats her uh, enemy mage. Uh, pretty quickly, uh, and uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul is stuck dealing with a dragonborn who's like the second in command of the this base, the, the right-hand man of the captain. So, in episode 138, intermission episode 14, bound with a bargain, as Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul is fighting uh, with this guy, you know, a little, a little stuck because the guy's pretty powerful, he hears a voice. An unfamiliar voice, mind you, but a voice offering him power, you know, for a small favor. Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul doesn't think twice about this and says, yeah, more power is better. Why would I not want power? Uh, thus, 
potentially, we'll see, sealing his fate. And uh, whatever is causing him some nightmares from inside of this case is now also making bargains with him, which isn't great. He wins the fight and uh, now has some concerns. Uh, so, the uh, with episode 139, intermission episode 15, Forgotten Nightmares, uh, Jean-Claude is having more of these really rotten nightmares. Uh, he has a nightmare of somebody with, like, dark hair in the inside of, like, a hollowed-out tree, uh, who, when he turns around to, like, sees them, it looks like their, like, face is melted and they're just a skull and a spinal cord. Uh, real horrible stuff. Uh, as they get closer to a village called Lava Cloud, Lava Cloud Village, uh, they end up uh, meeting a strange old man on the outskirts of town who tells them that uh, the dark times have come to this region and, you know, they... they shouldn't uh, go to this old farm that's nearby. Uh, he warns him away, tells him to take this long way around into the village. Uh, the group feels like he's being rude and, uh, you know, decide to head towards the village directly. Uh, as they do so, they find that, yeah, there's this, like, blighted land uh, that's just like a blackened scar and a lot of the houses in the the area have you know looks like the farming has kind of gone south it's you know not very lively in this area uh but this farm in particular is yeah just this like blackened shell uh the house is like in ruins there's an old well it's real creepy gives them a bad feeling it makes them feel like they're being watched and they also find that you know the animals in the area are, like, strangely mutated. Like, some of their eyes are kind of bulging out, and they have, like, longer limbs or longer bodies. There's just something off about the region. So the the group uh, gets into town, and they ask about the dark times, and, you know, the, the people of the, the village blow them off. They, they, you know, they don't want to talk about it. No matter. With episode 140, intermission episode 16, Just a Memory. The group has met Arnold Payne. Uh, he's a member of the Payne family. Uh, he kind of wanted to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city, and so he came out to Lava Cloud Village and owns this little general store. But he's a little bit new to the region. Uh, he, he doesn't really know a lot about what's going on. Uh, apparently, something happened. A meteor fell from the sky on that farm. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he just sort of warns them that, you know, strange things are happening. It's best if they leave. But, you know, asks if they could, uh, uh, you know, send word uh, when they arrive in Rayburn Falls. You know, touch base with his family, maybe, that uh, strange things are happening in this area. And maybe they should send somebody to, you know, investigate it. Well, the strange things continue because as they are talking, Lysander's gone. He vanishes. Just nowhere to be seen. And for those who are aware of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, Sphinx, who, who plays uh, uh, Lysander and plays uh, uh, Thelonious, Actually, it's some real-life stuff going on where he couldn't record with us for a while. And so I I sort of had to write him out of the adventure in an odd, creepy way, and they were in this creepy area, and so it just sort of fit. Uh, so they talked with the citizens of the town, and everyone but Arnold didn't remember Lysander. It's as if he never was there. Arnold Payne kind of warned the group and said, ah, you know, if your friend shows up, I'll send him along his way, but maybe you need to get the heck out of here. So the group left, and uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul and uh, uh, Ophelia headed north. With episode 141, in intermission episode 17, 
friendly and unfriendly encounters, uh, the the group is uh, the duo, I should say, uh, are heading along to the north to go to Rayburn Falls, uh, and uh, the they meet. Uh, I believe it is Felix, uh, Felix Beril, uh, who is a relative, uh, a cousin of, uh, Fritz Beril, uh, from season two. He's, uh, this, so this is a halfling, uh, who's a part of, a uh, you know, owns a, uh, a vineyard, essentially. He's a part of a family that is, uh, big into making blueberry wine for the region, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the group actually gets a, a, a nice conversation. Uh, they, they make some friends. And as they uh, continue north, uh, you know, leaving Felix and his family, you know, uh, to their own, warns them to not stay in that village in the South Long, uh, with episode 142, intermission episode 18, The Cloaked Mage Pyralis. Oh boy. So they find out that there are some goblins in the forest. They fight some. Uh, but creepy enough, there's an undead devil sore. Uh, this giant Tyrannosaurus-like monster that is stalking the forest. And that's very concerning. So they end up finding the destroyed village of Squallfire. Apparently 50 years before, roughly, uh, there was a, a village there called Squallfire that goblins destroyed. Big giant war, real horrible. Pretty much everyone died and, you know, the this city sort of vanished off the face of the planet. But uh, the group there meets Thucydides, the, the Bloodbane family member. Uh, who, uh, uh, as you know from season two, you may or may not know, is the brother of Thelonious. Apparently, he's been looking into uh, old draconic legends, and he wants to find the a piece of the armor of Endless Night. And a mysterious hooded figure, who they cannot see the face of, named Pyralis, has sort of saved him from the, the camp in the south where he was kind of on lockdown. And she knows that uh, this piece of the armor is in the Shadowfell in this region. So the Shadowfell is a dark negative energy dimension, a mirror of our world. And apparently it, uh, Midori Tower in the Shadowfell in this area, uh, this piece of armor has been hidden. Not, they're not, they don't really ask a lot of questions as to how they found that out. Though, if you are a fan of season two, you'll know how Pyralis knows that. Uh, so, uh, the she says that she can open a portal uh, to the Shadowfell, and she'll be on the other side to make sure it stays open. Uh, but she asks that uh, Jean-Claude and... Ophelia joined Thucydides, and as a reward, she'll look into the case, potentially open it if she's able to. Uh, she'll be able to answer questions about uh, Ophelia's sister Alice, because Alice asked about, or Ophelia asked about Alice, and coincidentally, Pyralis knows about Alice. Uh, and she's willing to help uh, Jean-Claude with his nightmares. Almost seems too good to be true. So the group decides that with the undead devil sore blocking them off, it's, you know, best just to take this deal and see what she can do for them. <coughs> so uh, with episode 143, intermission episode 19, the ruined village in the Shadowfell, uh, the group with Thucydides, uh, who's kind of a rogue, he's not the best, you know, he, he does a little bit of sneak attack damage. He's pretty good with skills. Uh, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, he's more of a treasure hunter than like a regular rogue, honestly. Uh, they head into the Shadowfell uh, and find that the destroyed town of Squallfire is even more destitute and ruined in, you know, uh, 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 the Shadowfell. 
So they avoid undead, run away from, you know, ghouls and zombies and whites, and find themselves at the tower. So with episode 144, intermission episode 20, the ghastly hobgoblin, uh, having reached Midori Tower, the group finds an undead, ghostly, uh, hobgoblin by the name of Necrosorrow, who apparently had spent time and turned this into a lab while he was alive. He unfortunately had been killed by adventurers back, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, but his soul is finally more free these days. He's kind of vague about that stuff. But uh, uh, he needs something in this tower real bad. Uh, so Necrosaro says, hey, uh, there's a curse on this tower right now where undead magic users are slowed. Their abilities are dulled. They can't do much, and it gets stronger the further you go up in the tower. Help me out. Let me possess you. The group goes, no, 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 no. He then tries to fight him. The group decides it's not worth the fight, which is probably smart. Though, honestly, if another turn or so went by, he'd have not been very, you know, proficient. Uh, And uh, Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul gets possessed by Necrosaro who says that he's not possessed by anything else, which is kind of concerning for Jean-Claude, because he's under the impression he is possessed by whatever this thing is from the case. So the group starts heading up the tower. Episode 145, intermission episode 21, the dangers of Midori Tower. Uh, They climb the tower, they fight skeletons, zombies, whites, uh... And uh, they even fight a uh, an undead dragon, uh, which is, you know, scary stuff. A skeletal dragon, specifically. Episode 146, intermission episode 22, Grisgo Ophelgorger. Uh, they find that a uh, an ogre white, which I'm not sure if that's in the standard rules of uh, D&D that that can happen, but regardless, I made it happen. And an ogre white... Uh, is trying to kill him because the, you know, ogre's, uh, you know, just not really a fan of the living. As they head up, they defeat the ogre and head to the top of the tower. Uh, the the group finds that Necrosaro was there for his emaciated body. And so his spirit, which was severed from his body, goes to it and uh, the emaciated uh, hobgoblin... I I believe he removed the curse from the tower or with the little bit of strength he had at the top of the tower. I don't remember which. Uh, He uh, opens up a portal to a undead green dragon, Botulism Bloodbane, and warns the group to enjoy the world of the living for his master, because he's now been bound to his former pupil, Botulism Bloodbane, Necrosaro was once once his master, uh, but apparently Botulism got real strong in a real short amount of time somehow. Uh, he warns them that the, the world of the living will only be around for so much longer. Spooky stuff. Thucydides gets a hold of the piece of the armor of Endless Night, pauldrons. He becomes a little defensive of them, so while the group is realizing that, like, oh, this is this is kind of bad news. This pow- this armor is pretty scary and powerful. Like, should we be letting you have it? And Thucydides is like, you can take it over my dead body. And the group is like, well, uh, I don't know that it's worth fighting over. So fair enough. And as they escape uh, the skeletal dragon, its ghost is now in the tower. And so while the group is nervous about how they're going to deal with this new monster, because they haven't really healed much, uh, the ghostly dragon realizes that they have a piece of the armor of Endless Night and refers to it as one of the marks of the king. So uh, episode 147, uh, intermission 23, the marks of the king, uh, they leave the uh, Midori Tower, And they're not feeling great about this armor. But they get back to Pyralis, 
And uh, Ophelia, you know, she she can make this bargain with Pyralis, but, you know, she's going to Rayburn Falls. She's told that that's where her sister Alice is. And so she gets excited. Pyralis, you know, lets her know that. But Pyralis adds in. She gives her a magical trinket. She says, if you find yourself waylaid and you can't get to where your sister is, for a small price, I can make that happen. And so Ophelia takes the, the item. She then tries to get into the case and lets them know that powerful magic binds it. She doesn't know that she can get into it. Uh, but Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul wants to know about his nightmares. And so Pyralis lets him know that she is, as you know from season two, well-versed in magic that takes you to the world of dreams. The dimension of dreams is a dimension that skirts around the Feywild, the dimension of life, positive energy, and magic, uh, and the Shadowfell, the dark world of, you know, negative energy. Between those two dimensions is a thin dimension that kind of Inter- is intertwined with the ethereal plane to a degree, and that is the Land of Nod. Episode 148, Intermission Episode 24. Uh, the Land of Nod is that episode. Uh, and uh, apparently, Pyralis says that, you know, trying to carve their way directly into Jean-Claude's nightmare is going to be tricky. It'll be tough, and the nightmare will be kind of on full alert and ready for them. So she says that she can let them enter her dreams and then kind of go through the dreamlands until he gets to his nightmare and confront the nightmare. So they say, all right, we'll go to bed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And they find themselves in the world of dreams. Uh-oh. Pyralis went ahead and did it without their full consent, which ain't great. Uh, in the first dream, they find that it is Pyralis's dream. And she apparently was speaking with a very scary individual named Zyklon Bloodbane. Uh, Zyklon Bloodbane is a dragonborn that just exudes poison. He himself is not even immune to his own poison. and has to wear like a gas mask, this you know creepy magical mask. Uh, and they find that she's trying to make some kind of deal with him. Uh, he, you know says that he's a little reluctant to to join forces with her, but she ensures him that if, you know, he can provide his forces when she gives the okay, that it'll be a boon to dragon kind. Zyklon notices them as they're leaving. He fires magic at them. They run away in fear, and they make it to uh, the next dream, which is uh, sort of a, a path leading to dreams. And they find that they are back near that creepy old farmstead. Uh, and it looks like Lysander's tracks go into the well, which is strange. Uh, but then they pop back out of the well. And so the group continues on, go you know, following his trail. Uh, and they find themselves at a mansion. And this place, called the Pain Chateau, that you might know from season one, uh, has a uh, uh, butler named uh, Brutus Payne, who lets them in and uh, tells them to make themselves at home. He'll, you know, he'll get them some refreshments. As they skulk around the place, they find a gallery with paintings. And, uh, uh, the paintings involve Lysander and some terrible fate that befell him. When Brutus gets back, he sees the, them looking at these paintings, and he also notices that, uh, they have, uh, this case. And he wants the case. He starts freaking out, chasing after him. They run away just in time to hear the screams of help of Lysander. Not a good sign. Episode 149, Intermission 25, Nzogoth. They find themselves, after leaving the Pain Chateau, in a weird subterranean lake in just absolute darkness. They have a gross feeling. They find that the lake is an abolith. 
And aboliths are aberrations. Fishy monsters that have been in the world even longer than the gods have. They came from the far realm. And this particular uh, abolith, uh, an especially old one known Nzogoth, Nzogoth uh, claims to have been defeated by the gods. The gods weren't really too keen on him being around, and the fact that he was very powerful, they banded together and couldn't fully kill him, and so he got separated into different pieces. And he says that all of his pieces will one day come back together over millennia of time, and he'll have his power back and, you know, uh, probably do bad things to the world. He was kind of vague about that. Uh, the group explains their situation, and he says that he can take them to the, the next dream, or he can take them to a city known as Shothfilfkish. Now, if you're familiar with season one, you know that Shothfilfkish is the city in green mist. It is a city that is the closest to the far realm. Where it exists, it sort of exists in its own kind of pocket dimension, similar to the Pain Chateau does. And uh, it's uh, apparently a city where all aberrate, like all, maybe not all aberrate, it is a city of aberrations, uh, but it is a city where all of the Lords of Madness go when they've they're dead like they never really die supposedly uh whether that's the case or not you don't know nobody knows really i should say uh but i the group decides ah, no we don't want to go to this creepy shoth filthkish place and so they want to go to the uh the the dream to the next dream and so they get delivered by in zogoth uh, who's fairly well-meaning for uh, uh, aberration, but apparently there's no reason for him to to be vindictive in this, you know, dreamscape of his, because likely someday all life on the planet will have to deal with him in some capacity or another. Anywho, with the end of that episode and the start of episode 150, Intermission 26, Unending Nightmares, Jean-Claude and Ophelia have come to Jean-Claude's Nightmare. And it's a big arena fight, and Jean-Claude's feeling excited about it. And uh, him and Ophelia fight against the masked uh, warrior, who they defeat and kill. And in his nightmare, it is Lysander, who in his dying breaths... Uh, asks why they didn't save him. And they find out that the Barker for this uh, arena battle uh, is, well, maybe not in appearance, but at least his voice is the same as the one who offered Jean-Claude power. And he wants to slay Jean-Claude and Ophelia so that they get trapped here and he'll have access to Jean-Claude's body. He doesn't have a body of his own, apparently. So, uh, as they're battling this nightmare, and the entire arena starts turning into a maw, a giant rows of teeth and a tongue in the center, uh, the group finds that they need to uh, get to another dream. And so... But they need somebody who's already asleep. They're both in Jean-Claude's dream, so it can't be Ophelia's. So with episode 151, intermission 27, dream dashing, uh, they dash into uh, uh, Felix uh, uh, Felix Barriel's dream, who they just recently met. And so while they're safe in this dream, I... Uh, they find that the nightmare has arrived and uh, is chasing them down. So they jump into another dream, this time of Grandma Yelris. And they get to Grandma Yelris's cabin in these giant, you know, arcane woods. And uh, she warns them that they need to find somebody who, you know, would someone well-versed in sort of the spirit world, you know, dreams and whatnot. 
And in his the start of his nightmare, uh, Jean-Claude had a memory, uh, sort of a flashback of, of words his master said. And he feels like maybe his master could help him. So he reaches out through the dreamscape and uh, finds himself in his master's dream, who clobbers him in the head with a headbutt. And that gives him the power uh, from being walloped upside his noggin to purge the nightmare from his head. He has a touching moment with his master, who you and you wouldn't have ever guessed that it was a backstory that we had made up right before that recording session. Uh, Jean, uh, uh, Jace, or LPJ and I, and uh, they find themselves out of the dream, and they're awake. But some odd things are going down. They find that the undead devil sore is in the you know this destroyed town, which it never went out of the forest before. But its undead corpse is just lying there. It's it no longer is animated. Uh, they find that Thucydides and Pyralis are long gone. It's as if she spirited him away. No evidence that he even broke down his camp. It's as if he was just gone. So with episode 152, intermission 28, the fate of Ophelia and Jean-Claude. As they're heading to Rayburn Falls and they talk to farmers about strange goings on in Rayburn Falls and how a monster is apparently eating people in the city and you know scary stuff going on, which we know is going on from season two, they find that they are waylaid by the person who originally gave the job. A man named Telomere Venomstar. From season one, one of the five supernovas and presumably currently the most powerful warlock on the continent in service to the cult of the Dark Star. Apparently, Juliana Blightcaller was hearing the whispers of Illinok, the teeth of gnashing desire, but she has turned those whispers away. She refused them, and so the item in this case is no longer for her, but there is another person in the city of Rayburn Falls that hears the whispers. One of those people could have been Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul, but he got protected from the nightmares and no longer hears the whispers of Illinok, which is what was coming from that case. And the Dark Elf gives them their treasure and says, eh, if it's yours, a deal's a deal. But then he starts hearing whispers from something about how they can't be allowed to make it to Rayburn Falls. And so... He puts on a creepy mask and becomes this horrible puppet monstrosity that you'll know from season one. And uh, the group, the duo, the finds that they're not much of a match for him. He's very powerful. So they go to try to run, but he's a lot faster than Ophelia. And so Jean-Claude convinces Ophelia to use the item to make the bargain with uh, Pyralis, who appears, takes Ophelia, and that's all. There was no mention of Jean-Claude being part of that deal. And so so Jean-Claude Pierre-Paul is now lost without Alice as... Uh, Telomere Venomstar hunts him down. And we don't know what the fate of Jean-Claude is fully, though I'll give you a hint. He succeeded on his final stealth check in, against uh, Telomere Venomstar's perception, so he ain't instantly dead. But there's not really great things lying in store for either Ophelia or Jean-Claude. Episode 153, Intermission 29, The Fate of Lysander. Sphinx was back and able to record. And so Lysander found himself awake at the bottom of that well. But his friends were there. Jean-Claude and Ophelia, and things were going to be fine. They just had to go through this creepy dungeon and find out what's going on. And they find mutated one-eyed goblins skulking around through these tunnels. 
one of which has a shard of the Black Pyramid and is quite powerful. Uh, as they go deeper and deeper into the tunnels, Lysander starts finding that Jean-Claude and Ophelia start acting stranger and weirder as time goes by. Uh, and by the time they reach the this giant set of doors, his friends have revealed themselves and transformed into a beholder. Now, Lysander pushes through the door and finds himself at this, you know, creepy pool. And inside the pool, he sees himself, but with one eye and a beard of, like, these creepy tentacle tendrils and uh glay crin the hate's heart offers him a pact he will save his life so long as he pledges eternal service to him lysander takes the deal and lysander finds himself as a joining the ranks of the five supernovas of the cult of the dark star and that is the end of the intermission, ending on a rather down note. What will be the fate of these three heroes and their sad, dark destiny? Well, you'll have to listen to season two and find out. Now, next week, we're going to go ahead and dive into a sort of a refresher. Not necessarily a recap, but a refresher on all the clues and hints that I've been giving throughout the mystery that is season two. Uh, so I do hope that you enjoy that. I, uh, you know, if you're a interested in supporting noobs and dragons, I highly recommend our Patreon where you get to go behind the scenes with a lot of stuff. Uh, we, we give a lot of details as to where my ideas come from and uh, where a lot of these dungeons and cities and stuff are sort of originated from and other campaign home campaigns I did over the years uh, since I've been, you know, uh, DMing for 17 years, something like that, 17, 18 at this point. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, the intermission went a lot longer than we thought it would. Uh, originally, I didn't expect anyone to get so attached to these characters because it was going to be quick. Uh, but uh, hopefully that made the dark, depressing ending hit all that much harder. But I think that's where we're going to go ahead and pause this recap of Noobs and Dragons. Thank you for listening to Noobs and Dragons. This show is brought to you by listeners like you. If you wish to support the show, go to patreon.com slash gamezillamedia. From there, you'll be able to gain excellent perks, like a behind-the-scenes show for Noobs and Dragons. We thank you for your patronage.